Hello and welcome to the Every Child Every Day podcast. I'm your host, Rob Arnold, Superintendent of Amherst County Public Schools. You've probably heard this po- uh, popular educational sentiment before, but this statement will serve as our topic of conversation on today's show. The statement goes something like this. Students learn to read before the third grade and read to learn after third grade. In other words, students during their early years work on techniques and strategies that will help them with the actual process of reading. As their academic career progresses, a child's ability to understand the content being taught is determined largely through the student's ability to read that content. Clearly, literacy in the early years is absolutely critical to success throughout a student's school career. Unfortunately, the process can be complicated and oftentimes overwhelming, especially when you're, you're trying to support your students at home. Today, we'll talk to two people who have spent their entire careers helping students learn to read, and they're going to provide some advice that will help you support your child as they go through this process. Please join us. guests to the show, Wayne Lyle, the Supervisor of Literacy, Early Childhood, and Federal Programs, and Robin Wheeler, our Division Reading Specialist. Welcome to the show. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks for having us. Okay, so let's start with you introducing yourselves and telling us a little bit more about your role with the school system, especially as it relates to reading at the uh, early years. So one of my responsibilities is to oversee our English program here in the division. So that's K through 12. So uh, I support teachers and administrators at our elementary, middle, and high schools uh, in the area of literacy. Um, Also oversee our early childhood programs and our federal programs, which include Title I and Title III. Um, So my role here in the division is um, to provide support for our teachers and our administrators in regards to literacy and instructional strategies, um, to support our learners with comprehension, vocabulary, phonics, fluency, phonemic awareness, which are all building blocks of reading. Um, I also serve as our division dyslexia um, advisor um, and provide support for our reading specialists who work with some of our more at-risk readers in classrooms. So uh, much of this podcast will be kind of dedicated to to parents and helping parents. Um, so, so much of your work currently is with teachers, with students, and, and trying to, to do the, the things that are necessary in the classroom. But we know that a lot of learning occurs at home and uh, supports, uh, especially with reading in the early years, can go a long way. And so let's start with students that haven't entered school yet. So if, if you might have a child in school, but you have a, a younger sibling, a younger child that's not coming into school yet, but is, is getting ready to start, what are some actions that parents can take to help better prepare them for school and ultimately providing a better or more solid foundation for reading? So we're talking three, four, two, three, four, you know, that, that area. So, um, Dr. Arnold, one of the things you mentioned early on was something you hear often is that these formative years through the third grader is when children are learning to read. So, uh, like you said, parents are children's first teachers. Um, So one of the 
best things that parents can do with those young children is read to them, read to them often. But beyond that, also drawing attention to the things that are happening in those stories, the types of questions that, they're, that they can ask them, drawing attention to, to types of words that they encounter as they're reading. Because ultimately what they're doing is they're exposing kids to words that they're going to encounter once they become readers themselves. So, so parents really are the ones setting the stage and building the foundation um, for reading before they ever enter school. So reading to them and doing it often is, is probably one of the most important things that parents can do with their children. Yeah, I would have to agree with that, but also just talking to their children, having conversations, because um, conversations lead to vocabulary development, which is often where we see our struggles have difficulty or our students have difficulty. Um, so building upon what they already know. You might have your child come home and, you know, at preschool today say, I'm mad. Well, what, tell me why you're angry, you know, introducing new vocabulary to them just in that daily routine conversation. Um, also, allowing them the opportunity to, to practice on some of those fine motor skills, um, you know, giving them crayons, pencils, markers, paper, um, and encouraging them to scribble, you know, because those scribbles eventually become those letter-like symbols that we want our, our children to have, um, and encouraging them, you know, to to write the letters that they hear when they're ready for that. So, you know, if they're trying to, to write the word cat and they write the letter C and T, give them praise for that. If they just write the letter C, give them praise for that as well um, because those are the foundation pieces that we're going to build upon. Um, in the same regards, just, just making sure that they have opportunities to work with letters. You know, in the bathtub, give them, you know, bathtub crayons, give them letter magnets in, in the kitchen when you're building or, excuse me, cooking dinner, just to have them have opportunities exploring those letters, um, anything to build upon. So you, you, you both talked about a little bit about talking to your, your child. And so there was that, that big study done uh, years ago about the, the word gap that uh, children that are not spoken to at home versus children that are spoken to often, you know, they show up in kindergarten with, well, they claimed a three million word gap between the students that had engaged in a lot of conversation at home with parents, with family members versus students that did not have those opportunities for, for various reasons. So uh, even if you're not as comfortable with the, the techniques of reading, just having conversations with your child. Absolutely. They're going to carry you a long way. Um, and, and another thing kind of to piggyback on that, many of us are familiar with nursery rhymes. We've heard at least one or two, right? And so using those to build a foundation with your child, because those nursery rhymes aren't only fun, they use rhyme, which is one of those kind of prerequisite skills we look for um, when kids come to us. Um, and so, you know, we can all probably remember back on the playground, Miss Mary Mack, you know, all dressed in black. We, those have those rhyming words that become predictable, for our students, um, but also do a great job with vocabulary. You know, Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water, and so we don't hear our students using those words. And so nursery rhymes, something that simple that can be done in the car on the way to soccer practice, um, great way to, to build upon Good. those so, skills. So let's move, let's transition over to students that are in school. So our sometimes cases, pre-K students, kindergartners, first grade, second grade, how can parents support their children's development in reading? And then beyond that, what are some of the questions that uh, parents should ask their teachers to give them a better understanding of how their child is progressing uh, with their reading? 
So one of the things that we do here in Amherst County is we assess all um, pre-K through five students three times a year with the PALS uh, screening tool. So PALS stands for Phenological Awareness Literacy Screening. And so one of the things that hopefully parents are being provided is a copy of that report when after their, their child is screened. If they are not receiving a copy of that report, then they absolutely should reach out to their child's teacher and ask for that because that's going to give them some really good information about where their child is doing well in, in areas of literacy and then where they could improve. The good thing about um, PALS, too, is if you go to the PALS website, if you just Google PALS, there's actually a section there of activities that parents can access free of charge. So there are things that they can that they can do with their children at home, you know, outside of school. Um, so definitely asking for a copy of of the PALS report. So if I'm looking at the PALS report as a parent, and it's divided up into, um, I guess, reading skills. Right. So, so, what, so, what yeah, so yeah, so pre-K, so there are really three different versions of that assessment. So the pre-K version looks a little different. Then there's the kindergarten one, and then there's the one for grades one and up. So um, Robin had mentioned this earlier. So really, for example, with pre-K and kindergarten, one of the components that's being assessed is, is on rhyme, which again is one of those foundational phonological awareness skills that, what, that kids need to have in order to become readers. And so one of the things that I would encourage parents to do is if they if they need help really understanding the different components again is maybe that that should be something that's discussed during parent teacher conferences right. or requ certainly request a conference with teachers because they're willing to have those right you know, so so let's go back to me being a parent and I walk in and I have the pals report for my student who's just taken it in the fall and they're struggling with ROM so my question to the teacher should be what can I do at home to to help with that? Correct. Okay. Yes. Well, what and are some of the things? Right. And again, like I mentioned, the, the PALS website actually has some activity. So if if the PALS report has identified key areas where the, where your child is struggling, the PALS website provides activities that can be used to support children in those areas. And is all of that information on the report itself, like how to access that the website and that kind of stuff. No, that's that, something that could be provide that teachers could provide. Mm -hmm. Okay. The other thing that I'll add to that in terms of things that parents can do to support um, their child's development and reading, but really it goes beyond reading. It's in other content areas as well. It's just uh, monitoring their children's homework, finding out what homework has been assigned, making sure that they're completing it, make sure that they're they understand what they're doing. Uh, and again, if parents are noticing that the homework children are bringing home, they're, they're struggling with, again, reach out to the teacher and say, you know, I'm, I've been trying to s support my child with their homework, but they're really struggling with certain things. And so, again, making sure that they maintain that communication with, with the child's teacher. Yeah, I would piggyback on that, just looking at that report when it comes home. You know, that report includes benchmarks of where children should hit in the fall and then again in the spring when it's given um, at the end of the year to determine progress. But, you know, where should my child be? What are some things I can do at home? Um, feeling comfortable having that conversation, advocating for their child, um, building that relationship with the teacher to feel like they're working together even seeking input from the teachers to maybe how best their child learns. You know, we're all different types of learners. We might learn better auditory, kinesthetic, visual. Um, so having the conversation about what have you picked up in regards to my child and how can I either piggyback on that to replicate at home to support or what can we do together? 
Um, and I would say the biggest thing is just reading, spending the time reading. You spoke earlier, Dr. Arnold, about the gap and just the amount of talking that was done in the home when kids enter. But the same thing happens with children with reading. Um, you know, I think the statistic is that children who read for just 20 minutes a day see 1.8 million words each year and then score on standardized tests in that 90th percentile compared to kids who read one minute a day only rack up those 8,000 words. So just okay. reading to kids, right. so reading let's, to kids. All right, let's talk about reading because, okay. and, and this could this could actually span into middle school and high school. Absolutely. It's, it's a question that, I mean, I've even experienced this with my own child is that he was a really avid reader for years up to about the fifth or sixth grade. And then he didn't seem to be interested in, in reading anymore. And so like just reading for pleasure is what I'm saying, you know, right. so coming home, reading different stories. And so, you know, something you struggle with, it's like, how do I get him back engaged in that? Cause I understand how important it is for them to read. So, you know, you can have this problem for very young, uh, to, to older as they get older. So what are, what's some advice for a parent to, to kind of keep their child engaged in reading? Right. I would say, you know, tapping into what they're interested in, um, allowing them the choice in what they're reading. You know, at school we allow some of that flexibility in choosing materials, but oftentimes they're required to read something for an assignment. Um, but also modeling, you know, the expectation that it's okay to sit and spend 20 minutes reading for pleasure. Um, I know that's something that I have to work on as a parent as well, is spending that time modeling the behavior of reading or enjoying a book together um, and to be able to have those conversations. And that's something that we fill our day with lots of other activities. And so it kind of get, gets pushed to the back burner, but it's definitely an right. important it's one. Pro- well, it's probably the most important activity. Absolutely. Yeah. So just to add to that is um, one of the great things we have here in Amherst County is we actually have two libraries. We have one here in the town of Amherst, and we actually have one in Madison Heights. And so to keep that interest in reading alive with, with, with students or children, parents taking children to the library, not just during the school year, but during the summer as well, because the great thing about our libraries here in Amherst is they... Um, offer activities for throughout the year for, for children. And um, so that's that would be another way to kind of keep that interest, you know, going. So certainly we, we don't want this to happen, but uh, oftentimes we have students that struggle, struggle more than, uh, more than normal. So what are some of the indicators or red flags that parents should be looking for, you know, to, that might require some different types of help? Okay, so um, we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but you may notice that your child avoids reading. There's not an interest or an appreciation um, for reading. Um, You might notice that when your child is reading, they don't have strategies in place to help them actually get through the task of reading. Um, It may be breaking words down into parts to figure out how to say the word. It may be using clues to figure out what those words mean that the author has used or even figuring out the author's message, so comprehension. may be an issue. Um, when they're reading, you may have a reader who reads really slow and it's labor intensive. And so that may be kind of a, an, a clue there that there might be some difficulties. Um, I would say that whatever you notice as a parent to, to follow up with the child's teacher um, and, and talk to the classroom teacher to see if they see the same concerns 
Um, and if they do, what are some strategies? Again, you can use at home to support. Um, and it may be that it's not really an issue. You know, it's a developmental process because reading is so developmental and it's such a, a, a huge continuum. So there's no expectation because you are five years old, you should be doing this. Right, or absolutely. That sometimes that per progression is, is varied for our students. Absolutely. And we just want to make sure that they're continually moving. You know, when they get to that standstill, you know, in a certain part of their development, they right. may want to dig a little bit deeper. So, so as a parent, you want to keep, keep making sure that there's progression, that, that they keep moving forward. And if, if you don't see that, then you need to start asking some questions Absolutely. at school. And so just to add to that, um, I think there's a, a big misconception that children in pre-kindergarten, especially in kindergarten, are really expected to become readers. And really those years are really laying the foundation for them to become readers. So really we don't refer to them as beginning readers typically until they enter first grade. So there's important things that are incurring in, at pre-kindergarten and kindergarten, but we certainly don't expect children to enter kindergarten already knowing how to read. That's the year that we're really, again, going back to some of the foundational skills that Robin mentioned earlier, making sure that those are firmly in place so that they can become true beginning readers. And, and to your point about the expectation, I, I do think it is common or common belief that kindergarten has changed completely and it's referred to as reading. the new first grade right and, yeah. and so that's not entirely true it's we not. don't want it to be that right. way no okay and, and there are students who do leave reading and they're ready for that because that's where they are in their development right. but that's not the expectation as a whole well that's good to know that's good for parents to know um so so if there there are struggles or even if for students that aren't struggling what are some resources that we have in school um, and even some that, and you mentioned the library, out-of-school resources that are available to help parents support literacy in the home. So through each of our elementary schools, we have a Title I reading program that offers additional support for students who are struggling, K through 5, um, and each of those programs house a parent resource center filled with materials, um, leveled books, board games, books on tape or CD um, that parents can check out um, from the reading specialists in each of those schools um, to take home and, and use with their children. Um, we also, again, Wayne has already mentioned, our library, both in school and our public library, are filled with resources for just books to read. Um, a lot of times books are expensive. Um, so to get their hands on text, I would definitely encourage you to take advantage of that. Um, there are several websites out there that you can use that are, are very informative. Um, ReadingRockets.org um, is a great resource for parents that's filled with parent tips. Um, they even have their t um, tips in different languages so that parents can access those. Um, you know, if you go to your, your app play store, there's tons of apps, right, for handwriting, sight word, not, you know, any of those things are good, too, just to give that exposure um, kind of and allow kids to practice them in a, in a fun manner. You said the reading specialist at each school? At each school. Um, most people might not know who they are. What what would be the the procedures to, to connect with the reading specialist at the, at the school? I would encourage them to contact the principal 
because they can they can certainly connect them with the reading specialist in in those schools. And I'd want to um, Robin mentioned the school librarians. I'm glad she did that because that that is also an excellent resource that we have housed in every one of our schools that can be used uh, that parents can access and reach out to them and say, you know. My child is interested in, in these particular topics. Do you have books that you could recommend that, that would be appropriate for my child to, you know, to read outside of school? Any other resources that uh, you could think of or anything that maybe uh, we didn't talk about that you feel like probably would be good advice to parents as they, as they work with their child in this very important life skill? Well... Uh, Again, I think the most important thing that they can do is to stay actively connected with with their child's teacher because um, they if they notice that their child is struggling in certain ways, you know, with reading or, or anything else, they certainly can direct them to some resources that they can use um, outside of school. So communication is really important between home and school. Yeah, I would say the same. Um, ask questions. You know, if you don't understand what's coming home or, or the development that your child is going through, ask questions um, on what you can do to help and what should I be looking for that's going to happen next as they turn the corner to the next stage of development and reading. Um, and then be patient because each child is, is working at their own pace um, as far as learning to read. And it's a complex process with so many layers and they all work together. Um, and just because I can read the words doesn't mean I'm a, a good reader. I've got to understand the words that I'm reading, it's, and it's so many pieces to being a reader. So, you know, in, in, in closing here, um, first, thank you both for taking your time and providing your expertise. And you did talk about the complexity of this. And so that's, that's what we do in schools. Uh, but for the folks that are listening, especially parents, Though there are a lot of things that you can do to support this, and as I've listened today, you know, uh, things like modeling, making sure that reading is a priority in in your home, having conversations uh, with your child, um, making sure you're connected to your teacher, and 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 I've probably said this almost in every podcast I've done, but it is so critical that our teachers and our parents have a good relationship and they can talk about the things that, that um, the teacher seeing at, at school and the parents seeing it at home, and they can work together uh, for the best benefit of the, of the child. So a lot of things that can be done, a lot of supports at school if things aren't going well, uh, and, and that goes back to making sure you're connected to, to the um, the teachers, but it is it is something that here in Amherst we take very seriously. We understand the value of of reading, not only, and we only talk primarily about the the younger grades, but uh, it is certainly very important. Lifetime as you move skill, through. yeah. I mean, you know, we we just finished three three weeks of talking about college admissions, and one of the things about the SAT. The, your best preparation for the at least the English part of the SAT is reading. You, know, you read a lot. You you have access to a lot of words yeah, and context and vocabulary that you you don't normally experience. So uh, it is so very important, so very vital. And so I thank you both again for for taking time to to help us and help our community with this. And I uh, want to thank the the listeners for joining us today. And I hope that everybody has a, a great day.
Thank you.